This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and uh, the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. G'day and welcome to Battle of Two Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to talk to Steve Souza from the band Exodus and we also have a chat with Vince Martell from the band Vanilla Fudge who uh, yeah, probably would um, not associate strictly with metal but uh, he looked at a lot of bands that were influenced um, by the the period that they put out five albums um, they were a huge influence on metal so we're going to talk to Vince Martell uh, then we're going to be having um, the two new Guns N' Roses songs that have just been released and we'll finish it all off with some blind spot who've just released a new track so without further ado we're going to have a chat with Steve Souza. first off we're going to have the track Clickbait then we will have the interview and then we'll finish it off with the track The Beatings Will Continue
G'day, we're talking with Steve Souza of Zetro from the band Exodus. They're about to release on the 19th of November their newest album, Persona Non Grata. How are you going today, Steve? Good, how's it going today? How are you guys doing? Uh, we're not too bad, thank you, mate. We're not doing too bad. Um, my first question I've got for you is, how's Tom? That's absolutely fantastic. I mean, not only for him, but for you guys as well. You must be absolutely wrapped to be able to bring him back into the fold properly. Well, the whole thing, I mean, when anybody runs across that, you know, everybody's got a family member or a friend who's at some point had to deal with this. So I think uh, um, the scare tactic of, for all of us and the realization of it all was, was enough. But I knew him being a very strong individual because he's the strongest guy that I know. I knew he was going to pull out of it. So oh, I knew man. that was, wasn't going to be an issue with Tom. So, and I spoke to him today, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, we've been next like, couple of weeks. I'll be ready to go. I'm going to start playing drums. So. Oh, mate, that's the best news ever. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely fantastic. So so you guys have released the uh, first two singles from your album, uh, Clickbait, and The Beatings Will Continue. Could you tell us a little bit about them? Uh, kind of. Both of them are uh, pretty much about the sign of the times. Basically, all ends of the uh, spectrum. The beating was written pretty much metaphorically about, you know, all the riots that didn't going on told the protest and then obviously clickbait is you know very self-explanatory about everything deal with in the electronic world nowadays it's pretty crazy out there isn't it crazy just you can't believe half of what you can't read half of what you believe you know <laughs> it's a double-edged sword Oh, it's a nightmare, you know, you just don't know what, you, you know, it's so right. Um, so, I know, you really don't, you don't, who's telling the truth? Well, that's it, I mean, you know, um, it sort of leads kind of into my next question, which was about, I mean, you guys have been, haven't had an album for seven years now, and I was, uh, you would have gone out and toured on that for the, the last one first off, but um, what have you guys been up to, and um, how much has COVID affected um, what's been going on for you guys? I think COVID worked in this album's favour because we... We're given luxury of time to finish the record and then a month later listen to it and go, you know what, I could do this far better. Can I go back in and try this? And then, yeah, with that. And I did that a few times on a few things. And I'm sure everybody else did as well. And then we mixed it. And then we mixed it again. And then we mixed it again. So if COVID and Bear... Our producer is also doing double duty as guitar player Judas Priest. Yeah, he would have had the piece, and we—I'm sure we had—we had tours 
to do as well. So it was one of those things where we had to know everybody. It worked out for us. You know, it wasn't the greatest thing. I'm not happy about it. I don't like what's playing out even so, but, you know, at least getting to play a little bit here and there. And, uh, but it worked out. The album's because I think, believe the album is that good because of it. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Could you tell us a little bit about the, the writing and recording process? I mean, because it must have been difficult getting everybody together at the same time and everything with Gary being out on the road and all that sort of stuff. Well, we didn't wait Gary. We waited until that was done. And Gary, Gary wrote most of the record, so if he had all these songs beforehand, you know, maybe he did, but him and Tom started jamming on the chorus songs probably between May and July. And we went up as a band to the Mount Northern California where Tom lives. And we built a studio in his band cave. Oh, we rented wow. a house down the street two months. A beautiful house that overlooked the waterfalls. Awesome. And we stayed there. So there was no uh, risk for uh, having to be in the studio with you know, and then the band's coming in in six weeks and we got to get this done. And Oh, this band in there at night while you guys are in there in the daytime because they have to utilize the studio. It wasn't like that, you know. We recorded at our own speed. So we had the luxury of writing, recording, maybe if we're not liking it, go back and changing it, you know. So, you know, again, it worked out for us. It worked out for the albality, actually. Oh, mate, that's absolutely cool. Um, so going to your lyrical content for this album, I mean, we're, we're aware of what clickbait and the, and the beatings will continue are about, but what is what are some of the other things, topics that you've uh, touched on this time? I mean, spots of division, it's just the way things are divided right now, the anti-speed, you know, uh, Persona Non Grata, the uh, title track is about what it means, you know, somebody who's not liked, who's not loved, and it's a complete piece of shit, get off the earth, and um, um, REMF, Rear Echelon Motherfucker, that was about, you know, like the generals and the captains all sending everybody to war and sitting back and not letting their kids go, and just, you know, kind of, they're the wrong motherfuckers, they ain't gotta get their hands dirty, <laughs> and there's stuff like, um, Riding whores about uh, uh, sarin gas and thalidomide, how they used that in uh, in uh, death camps, and and it created babies to uh, defects and mothers to have defects and babies born with defects. And flipping into madness is about the fentanyl epidemic and the way that you know kids are just and people in general are just dying the way it's masked in other drugs and the way they're putting it in illegal drugs. So there's a lot of aware uh, subjects on this record. There's 12 songs on this album. So a lot of territories we cover here. Well, that's it. I mean, the, the world at the moment is making it um, really easy to write lyrics, I would suspect, you know, I mean, because, I mean, the world, there's so much um, inspiration, I guess, uh, in both yeah, a negative and positive way. Huh? It was a tidal wave of shit to write about. I mean, you could just put a board and pick what. Who do you want to talk? Who do we want to go after? You know what I mean? <laughs> and this record has everything on 
Oh, that's good to know. Absolutely brilliant. So, how does the um, music come to you, so to speak? How do you... Um, how does the, the the lyrics or or whatever come to you? Do you hear um, phrases? Do you uh, see things and go, oh, here there we go, and, and write something down? How does the music come to you personally? I hear it. I hear other things in our music, and I identify with something that um, oh. Uh, Slipping into madness, the chorus is like um, uh, the chorus in Highway Star by Deep Purple. When I heard the the riff goes, it just seemed like it hit there, so I kind of wrote it off, laid on that a little bit. So it's a lot of times I hear other things, I go, oh, that sounds like this. If I write the lyrics like this, it'll sound cool like that. A lot of because, I mean, we're all influenced by all our heroes, so if you listen long enough, you you kind of become a student of it, or even a professor of it, if, if that, you know, <laughs> of learning, but always teaching as well. So I, I, I always, you know, it always comes naturally. I've always got to take a song that has full lyrics to it now, to wipe the lyrics out, I could come up with something with it in, in a half an hour. I don't know, I just can always be able to do that. Oh, like that's absolutely magical. Um, I mean, because I understand your your children are in music as well. Yeah, and my both. Well, I started the band when I wasn't in Exodus in 2010, Patriot. And then when I got back in Exodus, I had too much touring, and I would help them back. So then my oldest was just the bass player, and he became bass player, singer, and then my middle son is the drummer. And they're on their fourth record. They're in the studio recording it now called The Veil of Shadows. Oh, man. And it's, he's very much... The, the, the outlet's not falling far from the truth. Oh, mate, that must be real proud dad moments. Oh, yeah, father and, father and son's up. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Absolutely killer. So, um, what song would you say you're most proud of or your favourite song off this newest album? Prescribed Horror and Lunatic Liar Lord are definitely my favourite songs on the album. Absolutely brilliant, mate, and I'll be keen to listen to them when we find I love old, to be honest with you. Yep. I love old records, but who are my favourite, and changes through the recall process with those two from the beginning now our favourites oh mate that's absolutely brilliant so could you tell us a little bit about I mean coming back together and all that sort of thing I mean because it would have been um, you know quite a, a, a trip getting all back together after all that time you know you would have gone out on the road come back in and then Gary went off to do the Slayer thing for the their last tour and all that and, and coming back I mean it must have been pretty cool
um, it, was, it wasn't something that we all, well, maybe we should sit together. We knew we were going to do it. It was, it was definitely in the fold. Excellent. So getting back out on the road, are, are you guys going to be able to do release shows and all that sort of stuff? What's it like over there, the current environment over in the States at the moment? Yeah, we can do that. We're supposed to go out with that. It starts October 5th. It's Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel, and we have 31 shows across the United States. Wow, what a lineup. Uh, Tribune and Hate Breed are on, uh, everybody's doing right now over here. They're just you know, you have to show vaccination proof, you know, and sort of protocol, but then at least it's open. Yeah, man, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, I mean, we've been lucky down here in New Zealand. We've been fairly open most of the time. Um, but we sit there and we're, we're watching the other countries and it's been really, really hard knowing that we can go to shows, but so many people across the world can't. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so good to know that you guys are finally getting out there and being able to rock it. Yeah, it's about time. I mean, it's been about 20 months, almost. About 20 months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate, you'll be gagging to get out Pretty of there. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, chopping at the bit to go play live. <laughs> <laughs> really ready, though. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. So, could you tell us a little bit, I mean, I, I know that you do um, podcasts and all that sort of thing. Um, it's sort of that you've had to sort of move and do on the side and all that sort of stuff along with Exodus. What do you think about the the changing face of the whole music industry? I mean, it used to be that, you know, you just go do a record and then go take it out on tour. But nowadays there's so many different other facets. I mean, people are doing playthroughs and you got to do different videos and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's different from what you started it. Yeah, I do a YouTube channel, actually. I have a YouTube channel called Zetro's Toxic Vault. I do a lot of different things on it. The, the meat and potatoes is definitely the interviews that I do with Ushins um, that I have around the Bay Area because it's such story. Yes, you're not necessarily the Bay Area. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of other people. But I get a lot of the Bay Area people because I'm here. And uh, I mean, between Twitch and TikTok, everything else, there's so many platforms to uh, out there on but I just did it uh, had a bit of fun and it's kind of cool so if you're looking just go on um, go to YouTube and just uh, put in that just talking well and, um, and uh, I've come up I got two years worth of episodes hundreds of episodes I interview everybody from Wadi to the guys in Rancid to the guys in Testament guys in Death Hill guys in Violence uh, forbidden, a lot of the Bay Area bands. Uh, I talk to, I do movie reviews. I talk to people that do different, different things. A fun channel, a lot of fun. That's it, man. In politics or code, so there's a lot there. It, it must be fun getting alongside some of your. Um, I mean, you must have some fanboy moments yourself. You know, talking to people that you know you never thought you'd talk to or that you don't get to bump into in the industry. Yeah. So I'm fortunate to be, you know, no, 
Yeah, that, that that's exactly it. No, I can completely understand that through, you know, getting to talk to people that, you know, when you were young, you were sitting there listening to their albums thinking, holy shit, and then you never dreamed that you'd ever get to chat to them. Yeah, you know, like, like you said, you do, what, you know, when you interview a guy, a guy who's, you know, listened to music, played music, influenced by that person for whatever reason. So there's a lot of well, that's it, and, and you know, I mean, it's like you talked about earlier about about learning, um, you know, or or teaching. Uh, you, you, it's never a, a, every day's a school day. You can always learn something new, and then to teach that and pass that on, you know, that's the next trip, isn't it? Uh, you always got to be a student. I never think you're always, you're never. You're always a student. Always, exactly, mate. Um, any chances of you guys getting down under to Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, when you just lock it, uh, unlock the world, Australia's all locked down. So I don't think much travel's going to happen. I'm opening the end 2002, but again, with Gary back and this whole thing, of course we're going to go there. The new record is, you know... The first one in seven years, it's really good, so I'm hoping we're going to go all over the world and back again. Oh, mate, well, we'd love to have you down here in New Zealand. It would be absolutely a dream come true for a lot of metalheads. Yeah, I know I live there, too. We have not been there. Well, at least since I've been in the band, I have not been to... The band hasn't been to New Zealand. We did play Soundwave. Oh, thank you, Steve. We appreciate that, man. And it's because of bands like uh, Exodus and, and yourself and leading the way that, you know, <laughs> we're still here. Well, thank you. Well, we're not going anywhere, so as long as you guys are here with us, we're, we're going we're gonna to write this one out. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Okay, Steve, I've got one last question for you before we let you go, and that is words of advice for young musicians or young people. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant advice. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four.
this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. And for this section we talk to Vince Martell from the band Vanilla Fudge. Such a good chat. Um, unfortunately, because it went so long, we're not going to be able to play any music around it, so we're just going to get straight into the interview with him um, and enjoy. Absolutely brilliant, man. G'day, we're talking with Vince Martell from the band Vanilla Fudge. They've just released their newest single, Stop in the Name of Love. A um, bit of a tribute in some ways to um, one of their last legacy, uh, latest uh, legacy members passing away. How are you going today, Vince? Oh, you better ask me that question again. I didn't quite get what you said. <laughs> How are you going today? Oh, I'm doing great, thank you. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Um, first off, I wanted to talk to you about this newest single, Stop in the Name of Love, that you guys were able to record um, just before Tim passed, I understand. Yes, exactly. Uh, that must have been a, a pretty special thing to be able to achieve, I mean, especially because I know that he was um, struggling with cancer at near the end there. 
yes, he had uh, cancer going for quite a while. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a special thing that we got him to to uh, record on the song before he passed. It was uh, uh, just a beautiful thing that he was able to put himself out. He was in pain and everything else. He went out to the studio and he recorded for us. Oh mate, that's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I, I listened to um, an audio piece that, you, that the band put out, um, in the called "In the Legacy of Tim Bogart," and I mean, yeah, it was really, really awesome. I mean, it was something special to hear you the way you guys talked about um, him going into record and and just about you know his legacy as part of Vanilla Fudge for fifty six years. Oh, it really was a fantastic thing. You're a fantastic bass player, a great friend, very sincere person. Uh, and it's just a, a wonderful, you know, we're looking forward to seeing him when we get up to heaven because uh, that's, that's what we got to look forward to at this point. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, thank you very much. So, um... Looking back now, I mean, you guys have been um, doing this thing now for 56 years. That's an incredibly long time to be active like this um, in, in the music industry. I mean, how have you guys managed to do that? Well, uh, I guess we managed to do it because we didn't totally stay uh, together the whole time. It was, you know, some <laughs> ups and downs, and the group broke up at a few different points. Um and, but we always came back together. I mean, you kind of have to do that, you know, to, uh, it's for individual personalities, um, musically and uh, um, intellectually and everything like that. So uh, people have different interests and we approach music differently from each other. Uh, but we managed to keep a civil head about ourselves and just, uh, you know, came back to... Uh, uh, be able to, to uh, experience being together with, with the way that we always wanted to. I mean, that that's right. I mean, you guys um, had uh, three to four years right at the very start where you put out, I mean, five albums in two years, I mean, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and then you, you broke up and you got back together and then you broke up and got back together. I mean, that friendship, though, I mean, seems to be the thing that ties you all together. I mean, because you guys got back together only a few years ago. So, you know, I mean, that, that that's a huge testament right there. Oh, it sure is. You know what it is? The older you get, the wiser you get, I guess, <laughs> and the more experienced. And, yeah, that's it. So we managed to try to... Uh, you know, get past uh, when we get together every time we don't talk about any of the uh, differences of opinions we, we just kind of see how we can work together we all have a love of music and we try to uh, uh, afford the other member a chance to fully express himself and that's how we get the most out of the band by getting the most out of each other and letting everybody be able to uh, get the most uh, chemistry 
<laughs> well, that's it. And and where I was sort of headed with previously was, you know, I mean, surviving all of that, plus the fact that, I mean, like you see all these other bands that, that, that sort of fall along the wayside through different sort of means, you know, the whole rock and roll machine and, and what it seems to chew you up and spit you out. I mean, but you guys are still managing to, to push on through, you know. I mean, was there any secret to that? I mean, did you guys... Um, stay away from certain things what was it that helped keep you guys still alive I guess is the question uh, you know I mean, after the, the, the tribute the, uh, the, the great creator of, of the music in the sky uh, the Lord I would uh, assume has uh, something to do with uh, us uh, being able to come out with uh, the different uh, arrangements and the way to approach the music and uh, everything that, that we uh, you know uh, all of us are kind of faithful players and uh, uh, participants, and uh, uh, at least from my perspective, that's how I look at it. I feel it's the, the creator has uh, a wonderful music library in the sky someplace, and if you are receptive enough to him and you can channel into his love and faith, then the music can come through you. And uh, that's kind of my approach to the whole thing. Oh, mate, that, that's absolutely wonderful. And, I mean, I'm not sure what's going on here. Have we lost a... I've got a, another person trying to call me. Are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, yeah, sorry, I had somebody trying to call me. Um, so, going along with, with all that sort of thing... Um, Oh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Um, thank you. For... <laughs> um, but going along with that, and and um, you know, the um, the, the energy that you guys showed. I mean, that was something that um, the, the passion that came through in your music videos and the way you guys performed. I mean. That was a huge influence. I mean, you, you look at bands like um, Led Zepp and or, or Cream and a lot of those older bands, and they talked about um, how much of an influence Vanilla Fudge had on them. You know, I mean, that must be pretty special to have bands and people like that talking about you guys like that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people attribute a lot uh, to Led Zepp and Actually, it was a lot of groups at the time, and we picked up from 
when we saw these different bands playing, we decided that's the direction we wanted to go. Let's do some big deal production numbers. Let's get as much intensity and emotion as we possibly could out of the music. And um, uh, that's what we did. We did uh, the kind of moves and the kind of uh, um, uh, excitement that would hopefully grab the audience and it did did grab the attention of our management people and uh, we had some heavy management people that got behind us and were interested in us. Uh, So, you know, one thing led to another. uh, And, you know, it was... uh, And then, of course, if I may say, we have, uh, you know, the great Tim Bogart on bass and Carmine Peace, great drummer, who I like to say... They were like two players with one heartbeat. Uh, that's one thing. And then, of course, Mark Stein, the organist that originally was a guitarist, and then he switched to organ, and great, talented player. His, uh, his mother was a singer, uh, and uh, his father was a great businessman. Uh, to, you know, everybody's talent managed to push each other and it just it just became a, a wonderful amalgamation of talented people and wonderful business people uh, I had the classical training my sister is a classical pianist I grew up hearing all the classical music when I was two years old on and uh, I never quit playing once I started I was in the uh, Navy I played in the Navy I played when I got out it just was one of those things that certain time and space that the right chemistry came together and helped musicians and business people, record company, everything, and it was just wonderful. Oh, mate, that's absolutely magical. I mean, and that's it. I mean, you talk about Mark and Tim, and they, they, they were both multi-instrumentalists, I mean, as you've just attested to. I mean, from my understanding, Tim was also a saxophonist to start with before he picked up bass, you know. Um, I mean, that must have been so special to be able to work with those guys in those years, but also to be carrying it on 56 years later. Boy, I'm telling you, you know about it. Timmy was a sax player, as you said, and he was into jazz, and he approached the bass from, uh, like, as a sax player would for some reason. He had a very unusual uh, approach, and uh, he could go off on tangents and uh, uh, be doing something that didn't seem to even relate to the music, and he would all of a sudden turn it around and come right back on the one, right where he had to be at the right precise time, it was just a magical thing to watch about a great showman. Uh, his moves, uh, you know, uh, if you ever saw the Ray Anthony show and he really gets into it, was like the Jimi Hendrix of bass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really a fantastic year. So, and of course, Carmine just, you know, is a great, great drummer. He has books uh, out and uh, he's always constantly playing. As Timmy said, he's, he's the kind of a guy... He's working like 18 hours every day, like he never takes time off. He's constantly, constantly uh, doing uh, uh, symposiums and uh, lessons. Uh, And Mark, again, a great uh, keyboardist with great arranging uh, capabilities, uh, 
and, and the guys with marches to sing on the street corners in Bayonne, New Jersey, uh, and everybody sang. So we were able to just, you know, captivate everything and uh, uh, encapsulate it in, in one direction. That just worked out uh, wonderful for us. And, you know, Led Zeppelin opened for us. I mean, we had millions of wonderful things happen in our career for 56 years. Well, that's it. I mean, we could go back and talk about so many different things. But, I mean, finding those unique combinations to, to, to get that, I mean, it must be something special being in a room with people that are on exactly the same plane and that exact same vibe to get that buzz, if you know what I mean. I mean, because that's pretty difficult to to achieve in a lot of ways. I mean, because, I mean, there's so many bands out there that, I mean, essentially are paint by numbers or they'll, um, you know, they do, uh, it's like they'll just send a, a, a track to their other band member and then they'll all do it all by Pro Tools and all that sort of thing. But capturing that vibe and that live um, essence, I guess it is, I mean, that must have been so special. And, I mean, it's better than drugs. Yes, you're right. I mean, uh, again, uh, the, the, the generation out uh, we were in, uh, it was all live players and everybody picked up from uh, what was going on live. And uh, we, again, I think we all tried to make everything work. Uh, we didn't really uh, try to do too many overdubs on anything, especially like on the, the first album. And uh, we were just able to, uh, you know, work with each other and get the most, and I think bands have to do that. If you're really going to get something special, you have to get past the ego part of it of, well, this one wants to do that, so I want to do my idea. You have to kind of say, let's go with the flow. Whatever it is, somebody has an idea, somebody's getting created in some uh, uh, direction, let's work with it. Let's try to, to let, because that's, again, where I feel like there's, there's a supernatural special power that is invisible to us here that might be floating around in the air so to speak and if you have the right mental attitude and everything else these ideas can flow through you because that's why you hear many people say uh, they wrote a song and one day I know I have done it I wrote a song called Thoughts that uh, was on our Renaissance album that uh, actually went to number six in Italy and that one I wrote in one day. We were in the studio. We were working on Renaissance album, our third album of uh, mostly original songs. And for some reason, when the, the chips were down and the pressure was on, I was able to come up with that. And I have a few other songs that I wrote. One of them, I was had a fever and I had a cold and everything else. I woke up in the middle of the night and I had a whole idea for a song. I wrote it down, went back to sleep. This is before... Uh, the iPhones, of course, and all that stuff, when <laughs> you had a cassette player. Wrote down all the ideas, put them down, went back to sleep, woke up, and, you know, so songs can come to people instantaneously if you're in tune, so to speak, is how I look at it. Oh, mate, that's excellent. And I was going to ask you a little bit about that, about how does the music come to you? I mean, you've just talked a little bit about how it's come to you in the middle of the night type thing, but, I mean, how does it... Do, do you hear, like, a, a, a guitar phrase, or do you, do you hear a whole song? How is it that you hear it? Is it just like a, a, a melody, or... what? What? How does the music come to you? Uh, 
Well, to me, this is specifically it kind of starts uh, in different ways. It could be, uh, in other words, it varies. It could be uh, a chord progression. A lot of times I'll get a riff. Something will stick in my head from I don't know where it comes from. Again, it just uh, appears <laughs> into my head, into my mind's eye. And I, I hear uh, something that sounds very cool and I try to write down what the notes are and think of the phrasing of it uh, as I'm realizing that something's going through my head that I can't pinpoint if I got uh, influence from something I heard on TV or wherever, radio or, or from... Uh, who knows where, but I try to write it down and captivate it. Other times, I'll get a lyric line, like, coming to my head, and uh, that's how it works for me. It varies, and uh, sometimes I can get a big major part of something together, or I might get a, a verse, I might get a chorus, or I might get, once in a while, the whole thing, the whole concept, and go with that, and maybe raga-based with uh, uh, a simple... A melody, not necessarily complicated, but something that's like hypnotic and, uh, um, you know, how do, how do I put it? Not, not um, uh, a lot of turns and twists in the music, something that just kind of draws you in, something like that. A song I wrote like that was called People, and it's just basically a one chord song, very simple. But the, the point of the song was the lyric line in it. So that's what made it interesting for me on that one. So it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the mood. It could have something to do with the mood I'm in or something. Yeah, I, I can't. It's hard to pinpoint it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, mate, that's absolutely magic. So you talked about how you um, came, your parents and, and your brothers and sisters or sisters were classically trained and all that sort of thing. What was it that um, you would have been around music all, the, all your life and, and in those early years, you, you, I understand your parents played guitar and things like that. Um, what was it that, I mean, it would have been uh, for you at that point probably just, oh, I'm doing this because this is what we do. At what point did it become something personal to you, if you know what I mean? What was it that inspired you, that made you go, this is what I really want to do? Uh, I guess it's a combo of things. It's, um, first of all, uh, again, as uh, uh, you, you mentioned, my, uh, my folks played, my father played uh, guitar and violin, and my mother played guitar and mandolin. And my sister was taking piano lessons, and all my relatives, my grandparents, uh, my grandfathers played guitar. Uh, so I grew up around it, and uh, it was kind of a natural thing like that. And then when Elvis Presley came out, my, my <laughs> mother loved them, and my, my, you know, everybody loved them. And I, of course, I got into the, the heavy loop because before that, it, music was a little more subdued until he really got got going. So as a child, I was very influenced by. That, that also with Mary Ford at the um, Radio City Music Hall in New York City on uh, 6th Avenue, uh, a big place. I saw them play when I was a kid, sitting in the fifth row. We went down to see them because the Bronx where I grew up was maybe an hour away. And uh, I saw them play. I heard Les Paul with, with the uh, Echoplex and with the, with the effects he was using. And that was kind of a heavy turning point for me. And all of a sudden, I went from 
acoustic guitar and been doing in chords and doing some uh, lessons and take, and all of a sudden I switched gears and I would like uh, all of a sudden it opened up four barrels and now I'm moving down a road once I saw that. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, I, <laughs> I have a, a book out uh, and uh, it's all pretty much in there, the whole, the, the whole, you know, my whole life story. Awesome. And uh, it's called, yeah, Psychedelic Solo, Psychedelic Solo, and uh, it talks about, I talk about that, how, um, you know, I took lessons from Mel Bay at one point, a few lessons from him. Uh, my father knew a guy named Tony Catuzzi who worked for Steve Allen, and uh, uh, I had a great jazz guitar teacher. So... Uh, but the last call of Maryfield was, was pretty heavy for me, and then as I got older, I uh, went into the Navy, then there was, of course, Link Ray, who I saw him play in Washington, D.C. with his band, Lonnie Mack, uh, was a big influence on me, and uh, Chuck Berry and all the guitar guys. So that's the way it was for me. It just, uh, it, 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 was, it was like going through the gears. I started out, and then I just started really moving into it big time. Yeah. So that's why I, I just kept on, uh, kept up with it. You know, I, I still I do it every, just about every day. I play the guitar. Oh, mate, that's wonderful. I've only got a few more moments left with you, so I've got um, two questions for you. First off, you guys are getting out on the road, hopefully soon. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be out on the road at the end of this month. Uh, we have a handful of gigs. Uh, coming up, and then well, I think we got uh, a week and a half for two weeks off, and then we got another. And so it's probably about 12 gigs to start with in the New York area. I don't know, how, not the New York area, but the east coast of the United States area. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what they have in midwinter, because sometimes they, they'll, you know, it depends uh, what they have. But hopefully, we're going to be, uh, everything should be on vanillafudge.com. Uh, whatever's coming out, but yes, I'm glad to say we do have some gigs because there's nothing like playing live in front of a live audience. Well, that's it. You must be hanging out to get out there on that stage. Oh, you know about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for your time. I've got one last question for you before we let you go, um, and that is words of advice for young musicians. Uh, words of advice for young musicians. Oh, advice. Uh, I would say uh, absorb as much as you can from all forms of music. Um, learn the basics uh, of the instrument that you love. Of the guitar will be, of course, chords, scales, arpeggios, uh, uh, simple things, slide, uh, all kinds of little uh, hammer-ons and pull-offs and uh, different tricks. Uh, learn to uh, appreciate all the notes, that all the notes uh, that the instrument has to offer. Get them clean, that everything can be heard. Learn from the masters that are out there. There are many, many, many uh, multitude of different masters. Just stick with it because you keep getting better and better the longer you play. It's never too uh, early to start, and it's never too late to learn. You can just keep advancing. It's beautiful for the head, 
pretty exciting. That's why I play every day. It's like riding a motorcycle or getting in your Corvette if you got one of those and going through the gears. <laughs> it's like clears your head out. It's a, just a beautiful thing, music that the Lord gave us. And uh, I'm looking forward to rocking and roll forever if possible, you know. Follow your, you know, your position in life and your passion, follow your passion, and, uh, you know, always be yourself, you know? Uh, if I may say one more thing, Terry. Yes. I, I have a, yes, I have a, uh, a, a, something that I did on the Mike Huckabee show. I did an original song called Light Runner Free. Uh, it's available to check it out on Mike Huckabee's shootbox, and it has to do, it's a biblical saying that I, I, I like it very much. I'm going to say it. What it is, is it's 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and uh, which it says, uh, uh, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And... That's another one. Here's the one I said on my book. I mean, this is First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, which says, "The eye hasn't seen, the ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the promises that God has for those who love Him." So that's why I'm hoping to rock and roll forever. But Terry, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you in uh, New Zealand, and I hope one day that we could maybe come down and do some rock and rolling down there for you guys. Oh, mate, the pleasure would be ours. We would absolutely love to have you. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. And for this section we were lucky enough to talk to Peter Tapgrin from the band Hypocrisy. Uh, so we're going to be playing off their first single, Chemical Whore. Uh, to start with, then we'll have the interview and then we will finish with their latest single, Dead World.
G'day, we're talking with Peter Tagtron, I hope I sp- uh, pronounced that correctly, from the band Hypocrisy. They're about to release their newest, uh, newest album, Worship, on the 26th of November, not too far away now. How are you going today, Peter? I'm good, how are you? Very good, thank you. So, it's been eight years since you guys have released anything. What have you guys been up to? I, know, I can imagine it's been a very, very busy eight years for you. Yeah, I mean, concerning hypocrisy over the last eight years, we've been up and down and everywhere in the world, you know. We even finally made it to Australia in 2019, I think, or 2018, I can't remember, for the first time. So, I mean, we did a lot of European tours uh, since the last album. We did a a few American tours. We did uh, Japan. We did Australia. We did Russia. We did... A lot of shit. So I guess we were just really tired of each other. And plus, at the same time, I had Pain, new album, two Lindemann albums, and touring with both bands. So time flies when you're busy. <laughs> well, that's it. You're always a very, very busy man. I mean, I look at all the output that you have, man, and it's just insane. I don't know how you have the time for it. But anyway... Could you tell us a little bit about the journey to this newest album? I mean, when did it start? I mean, was this, I mean, COVID uh, appeared two years ago. How far ahead before that was did this journey for this album start? Uh, I don't know exactly, but I felt I didn't have any sparks, you know, to start. You always have have to have this spark to start something, you know, whether it's a pain album, Lindemann or Hypocrisy or whatever. You need to have something. Uh, and I didn't have that for a long time. I guess I was overworked and, you know, doing a lot of things at the same time. So 2017, me and my son, we did this father and son project that never saw the light of day. And that's really how it started. We wanted to do something, uh, a death metal album kind of, you know, by ourselves. And so we were just spitting out songs and riffs and stuff. And I think we had like 11 songs and then, I was going to either start to write lyrics to it or we move on. And we both said like, ah, fuck it. We've done this. Let's do something else. You know, <laughs> so we would never finish. But one of the, uh, there was actually two songs from there that actually made it to the hypocrisy album because that world was something my son wrote. And I was, I really loved that. The riffing, the rhythm, everything in it. And I said, Dude, man, you gotta let me use this in hypocrisy. And he said, sure, no problem. So I put, uh, lyrics on it and put vocals on it. And it's a kick ass song, I would say. <laughs> oh, man, and that that's how it prayer. started. And that's really how it started when I'm starting to get into, to write again for hypocrisy. Oh, mate, that must have been a, it must be a proud dad moment to, you know, have your son involved with this. And, you know, I mean, even after you guys started working on the album and you decided to stop, I mean, but to have it continue still, you know, even though you're not doing the project. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's not a stranger to it. He, he wrote half of, um, uh, Soldier of Fortune with me on uh, end of disclosure when he was like 14 or 15 so he, he's not a rookie even if he's young <laughs> oh mate that's absolutely brilliant so could you tell us a little bit about the writing and recording process for this album and and how that worked around this time yeah i mean mainly it's me sitting 
banging out riffs and have some kind of vision of a song and put a drum machine together with it, you know, so I just have a guideline to go on and you finish the song and then it's like you're making a demo out of it, so to speak. And then you do the next song and then the next song and then 2018 during summer, uh, Horg and Michael uh, flew over and we were sitting in the studio for a week and they managed to come up with a couple of riffs each for the album as well. So I think one of the songs was Chemical Horde that all three of us has uh, a riff in there, so to speak, you know, so it was a mutual writing process for that song. And it, it turned out to be a good song to start a new chapter with Hypocrisy for, for the new album, for sure. Excellent. So, could you tell us a little bit about the, the, the lyrical content for this album and, and what sort of influenced you? I mean, because you, you're writing this album, I take it, pre-COVID and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just my point of view of things, to see how the system is fucked up for people <laughs> and people are blind to see it. And... uh all kinds of stuff, you know, how I see how we're, how human race was um, starting and things like that. I mean, you can see on the cover what I think it was an idea <laughs> I had a long time that, you know, we're, we're seated here on Earth and people are watching us, seeing how we grow up, how we get a little bit smarter and... Over the last 200 years, I think they gave us a little boost in our DNA to become a little bit smarter because the last 150 years, the development of everything went super fast and it just keeps on going. So I think it's time to pull the plug on us soon before we reach too far out in the universe and fuck up (laughs) other places than just Earth. So, you know, the contents of the cover is really about the coming back to collect, you know, and beat the fuck out of us for being stupid. (laughs) It doesn't sound too far wrong. Uh, What is your take on the whole COVID things and and some of the the things that governments are putting into place, like vaccine passports and all that sort of carry on, making vaccines mandatory? I mean, what's your thoughts on that sort of thing? I don't know what to think, to be honest. Sometimes I think it's like... uh, a flashback of of uh, World War Three in in Germany, kind of, <laughs> you know. Yep. And sometimes I think, oh, th- maybe it's for the best, you know, to get get this epidemic away. So yep. it's I don't know. It's it's with the I see it in many different ways, not only in one or two ways. So we'll see what's going to happen, and let's see how many heads going to roll after this epidemic is over and see where it comes from and how and why it happened. If it's a depopulation thing from, from, uh, from uh, people above the government and other things who actually controlling the world, like mm-hmm. big, big banks and families that goes back hundreds of years. Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, and, and the, I mean, the thing that's getting, it's just this whole, um, how would you, repetrization of some of these, some of these slogans that are being 
throwing around at the moment. You know, I mean, it's getting pretty scary. Yeah. Um, it is. Down here in New Zealand. You know, this is the point, to to scare people. It's always been like that. That's the most effective thing to get your will through, to scare people, to to scare the shit out of people and get them to unite, and then you can rule them any way you want. It's the 101 on on fucking Mm -hmm. tyranny or or, uh, dictatorship or whatever you want to call it, you know? It's compliance. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) And it's been proven uh, for hundreds of years, if you look in the history, how to get people together, scare the, scare the shit out of them so they have no choice but to go with whatever you get fed up with mm-hmm. or feed it with, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I'm down here in New Zealand, and we've just um, – the, the latest statistics are that 75% of our population basically has been vaccinated. I'm not amongst that. Um, okay. I am, I choose not to at this point. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's amazing that, I mean, 75% of our country, we've had in total, I think, 27 deaths over a two-year period. We have more deaths. We have 500 deaths a year from the flu, yet we yeah. don't have a chat for that that's mandatory or anything. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, so we're getting sidetracked here, aren't we? I uh, there's two two different stories on this I I, I would think in, in my world one is yeah depopulation the second one a bad experiment got out of hand so you pick and choose what you want I have I have words for both <laughs> excellent excellent anyway so we we need to get back to the um the album which is what we're really meant to be here talking about and all that sort of thing um November the 26th, you guys have got the newest album coming out. Are you guys going to be able to get out there and do a release show or any sort of tour? I mean, how's it looking for you guys over there? Uh, Europe is opening up a little bit. Uh, There's still, like in Germany, if you play uh, the Bavaria area, that means uh, the the southern Germany, you have to sit at a table and watching uh, uh, a show. <clears throat> if you move uh, north up half of uh, of the country up north then there is no restriction in that kind of way so i mean even if you go to di- uh, a country there will be different uh rules for different uh areas in in the country so right now it does not make sense to go out anywhere in europe america i seen they open up and i see bands like canceling a couple of days because someone in the crew or the band got the covid and then they're back again, playing again. And it, it's a big financial uh, risk for sure, yeah. you know. So we we had a, a European tour booked for October, November for over a year. And then in August, we said, let's not even announce it because we don't know. So the first thing we have is I have to go back from canceled uh, shows with pain in uh, February to go out and, and play a couple of tours. And then uh, end of April, I hope we can go out in uh, North America to start playing. And then summer, hopefully some festivals. And then September, October, November, you know, do a European tour, do uh, hopefully Australia, New Zealand, and uh, Japan. That's what we hope. Oh, you know, it's so hard to say right now what the hell is going on. 
It's, 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 it's real crazy. I mean, like only um, two months ago here in New Zealand, we were um, pretty much open. Yeah, we had yeah. shows for the last year where everyone was going to gigs. And then two months ago, it just got shut down. And we're opening up now-ish, but not internationally. Um, and it's just like, you know, what the hell? Big, yeah. big shows being cancelled and all that sort of thing. It makes it really difficult. I mean, how does that sort of thing I mean, affect you um, and the way you have to sort of deal with the industry and everything? I mean, a lot of people I see are doing stuff like uh, the, the, the streams and all that sort of carry on, but there's also things like video playthroughs. And I mean, how has it changed the way that you guys have to market yourself and how you guys have to be? Well, internet is your friend <laughs> or not, yeah. you know? So, I mean, there's so many possibilities to do things uh, from across the world to reach other people in in a heartbeat. So in one way or another, we, we're definitely going to remind people that we're around and uh, maybe we'll do some streams. I don't know. Uh, but the main focus is to try to build up tours in different areas of the world for the next year. Because this year, I think it's, it's too much already. We really don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's absolutely not. So, yeah. Well, it gives me some time to write some new uh, paint stuff, you know, in, in meanwhile, while sitting and waiting. <laughs> well, that's always fantastic news. Um, it sort of leads into the next question I was going to ask you, which is about how does the music come to you? Um, so, so how does, uh, how do you, uh, do you hear music? Do you see music? Cause some people see music as different colors and things like that. I mean, how does the music come to you and how do you do, differentiate between, um, oh, this is going to be a pain thing. This is going to be a hypocrisy thing. I mean, how does it work for you? I think it's a state of mind for me. I mean, first of all, I write pretty much everything in my head first i there's a melody there's a riff there's a rhythm coming up in my head and then i know something is coming <laughs> and yeah. uh, w- when you're working on on a certain band then i guess your mind sets in for that kind of uh, style or genre or whatever when you start writing so it's you know you just have to control your brain a little bit yeah. Excellent. So, um, coming back to this newest album and everything, you, you guys have released the uh, the first video so far, Chemical Whore. I mean, that that must have been fun to do and get that out there. Yeah, I mean, it's an old video. Uh, we did that in September 2019, and we just was was just sitting on it until the time was right. And uh, there will be another video coming out in uh, on Friday, actually. So it will. Um, yeah, enjoy that one, I would say. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Well, we've only got a few minutes left with you, so I've got um, two last questions for you before we go. Um, what are, Other than doing what you're doing at the moment, have, have you got anything else that you're working on that you can tell us about? I mean, anything with pain um, and, and anything you're producing or anything like that? Uh, well, I had a... Um a project with a guy, a pretty famous uh, front person, a singer, that I actually uh, wrote a whole album with. And 
we decided in the end now that he will take it to his solo project because I don't want to do another Lindemann thing, you know, with a, with a front person and then uh, have to go out and tour and commit to it. I, I just wanted to produce and write music for someone else. So there will be another album coming out with uh, uh, with this project, I hope, in January, February. Oh, uh, nice. Which I've been a part of. So uh, it's pretty exciting. I, I, I'm really... Uh, Curious to see what people think with this one. <laughs> um, but also, like I said, I, I can write some, some paint stuff. Meanwhile, while we're sitting and waiting for everything, you know, it's always good to have songs on the shelf waiting to get out. So let's see what happens. I, I really, it's really hard to predict. I don't have a crystal ball, really. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know in, in February, uh, Pain is going out on tour because this tour was uh, postponed here so we need to keep our promises and go to uh, the people that were supposed to see it a couple of years ago so we'll start with that next year and then uh, go into North America during spring oh mate that's absolutely brilliant okay we've got one last question for you before we let you go and that is mm-hmm. uh, words of advice for young musicians uh I would say follow your heart when you write music or when you perform, you know, do what you would like to hear, not what other people would like to hear, what's in, uh, what is trendy or not. You stick to your guns and I hope, hopefully, you know, it will come around. Uh, I mean, with, with, with hypocrisy, we started with death metal when it was going down. But we stuck to our guns, and and it's it's been a good journey, put it that way. And I I rather trust myself, my instinct, and my heart, and also ask friends what they think about music and stuff. And what you're playing, you have to ask yourself: Would I buy this? Would I like it? You know, that's the first thing you have to convince yourself that things are good that you're doing. Yeah, man. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant advice. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it, mate. It's an yeah. absolutely killer album. Thank you very much. And I really hope that we, for the first time, can come to uh, New Zealand soon. Oh, mate, we would absolutely love to have you down here, mate. You're more than welcome anytime. Just take along after the Australian tour. Just add us on. We'd love to have you Exactly. Down. And then just keep them going north to Japan or whatever. I mean... Actually, uh, now we have some good context in in, in uh, Australia that brought us there for the first time in 2019 or 18. I can't remember, but that was the first time. So uh, we're still in good contact and friends. So let's see when things opening up, we'll be the first one to jump on. The 
this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR Battle of Two Peoples Radio. G'day and welcome to Battle of Two Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to chat with Ricky Warwick 
from the band The Almighty. He's just about to release a, or he has just released a solo album, uh, When Life Was Hard and Fast. So first off, we're going to play the title track from that uh, album, the Light, When Life Was Hard and Fast, and then we'll have the interview, and then we'll follow it up with the track, another track from that solo album, Fighting Heart. <laughs>
G'day, we're talking with Ricky Warwick from the band uh, Black Star Riders, as well as the almighty way back in history. Um, he's about to release his fifth solo album um, on the 19th of February. It's actually the 19th of February down here in New Zealand, <laughs> but it's not being released till tomorrow over there. How are you going today, Ricky? I'm doing all right, Terry. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure, mate. So um, you're just about to release your newest album, When Life Was Hard and Fast. Could you briefly tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, the album was recorded in 2019 in Los Angeles in Hollywood, co-produced by myself and Keith Nelson. Keith, uh, you might have heard of Keith Nelson, used to be in Buckcherry for many years, original member of Buckcherry. And, uh, yeah, 11 songs. Um, and got some great special guests on there. And I'm very excited it's finally coming out. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, well, I've got a whole lot of questions for you. First off, I wanted to ask you about the album cover, because I understand that's um, got a bit of a historical significance personally to you. Yeah, very much so. Um, so when we decided on the album title, When Life Is Hard and Fast, um, it just kind of got me thinking about a a real epic sort of road race that used to take place near where I, well, right where I grew up in Northern Ireland. And this race ran between 1928 and 1936. And I remember my father telling me stories about watching it when he was a little kid. And one of the, it was a road race. And it was like the Formula One race of its day. It was like a road race. So, but these guys obviously, were, were, it was way back before health and face, safety driving these primitive cars, <laughs> you know, but a quarter of a million people would come from all over the world to watch this race every year. And one of the really bad corners was actually a field, an embankment on a field. And the field belonged to my great-grandfather. It was a farm that I actually grew up on. And he used to rent out the field to the spectators to watch, watch the race. So the shot is from, I think it's from a race in about 1931. And it's actually that, the, the picture of the spectators on the field. And the, you can see like a crash has taken place right at that corner where there used to be a lot of, a lot of crashes due to the fact the corner was so, uh, so tricky. So it's got a huge personal family connection for me. And it was amazing to be able to, to track it down and use it for the, the front cover of the album. Oh, mate, that's awesome. So you've released three singles so far, but I wanted to ask you mainly about the first two, um, When Life Was Hard and Fast and Fighting Heart. Could you tell us a little bit about those two songs? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the title track was obviously, I think, well, the first single was Fighting Heart, so let's do that. And that was the first song that Keith Nelson and I really sort of wrote and put together for the record. And um, we shot the video for that up in the Joshua Tree Desert in California last August. Um, which was really cool and you know it's just a full straight ahead rocker and then I think the second single was You Don't Love Me which was the second track <laughs> that we put out um, and again we, we utilised the desert we went up there for a couple of days and, and shot and shot the, the footage for that in the, in the Joshua Tree Desert as well because there's just so many great places up there to film and, and to shoot and the landscape's so epic um, and then the third one was the title of the track When Life Is Hard and Fast Excellent. So um, you've got um, a whole lot of guest stars on there, but uh, some of the most uh, pointed ones that I picked up on was Andy Taylor. I mean, dude, from Duran Duran, I absolutely love him, and those, that solo on that on that song is absolutely brilliant. You've also got Dizzy Reed and Joe Elliott. Uh, how does that come about? I mean, I understand they're friends of yours. Um, do they come into the studio with you and you, you work together there, or how does that work come about? Um, sadly not. I mean, the friendships that have been forged in 30 years of, of doing what I've been doing, I've been lucky enough to work with these people over the years. You know, number one, I'm a huge fan of, of them, of what they do as artists. Um, um, and they've become my friends and become really close friends. And, and you know, 
it gets a little bit incestuous. I mean, I've, I've maybe worked on some of their stuff. Like I signed on a Def Leppard album many years ago, Two Elliot, and then produced my first two solo records. Andy Taylor produced an Almighty album. I've just co-written some songs with Andy for his solo record. So you have that kind of, you know, that, that, that musician sort of buddy thing going on. And, you know, songs aren't written with them in mind. The great thing about doing a solo record is you get the narcissistic, narcissistic and selfish freedom to do what, do anything you want to do, basically. Um, and have everyone play on it because you're not going to offend anybody in the band because there is no band, you know? So when the songs were finished, it was like, oh, it'd be really cool if I sent this to Andy and see if he'd play a guitar solo on it. And, you know, everybody's living all over the globe. So sadly, to fly somebody into L.A. to, you know, play a guitar solo on one track, just, you know, they, they ain't going to want to do that. And, it's, you know, the cost yes. involved and logistics. So with technology these days, you don't need to do that. You just you email the track. Everybody's usually got a home studio now. And I'm just like, hey, would you would you throw a solo down on that, please? I'd love to have you on the track. And boom, you know, it comes back two days later, and you know, there's a there's a killer solo on it. We did the good thing was though, um, Terry, we did have Dizzy Reed come down to the studio because we're here in LA, and Dizzy lives in LA, so he was the the one special guest that we could get into the studio, which was great. I understand he did about two or three tracks with you. He did three. I think he played on three in the end, yeah, which was amazing. Oh, mate, that's absolutely magic. Now, the the track Time Doesn't Seem to Matter, absolutely beautiful song. Thank you. Um, and, and I understand your daughter is singing on it as well with you? She is, yeah, most special guest of all, most special, special guest of all, yeah. Yeah, she's, um, you know, I wrote the song for her, about her, and I was like, hey, kiddo, you know, you should come and sing this, because she's really into music. She's playing, you know, a couple of instruments, and she sings great. And she's like, okay. I said, just come down to the studio, hang out. It'll be fun, you know. And she came down and she, she she nailed it in a couple of takes and spent the day hanging out in the studio. And, you know, real proud dad moment for me and just absolutely wonderful to have her on there. Oh, mate, that's absolutely magic. I mean, because I understand you. you, like, she, you did, like, some demo versions and then went to try and re-record it or something, but you decided that the demo versions yeah, were the... Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly right. We demoed it. The day we demoed the track, I had a really bad cold, and I really didn't want to sing, and, and Keith was like, Keith Nelson was like, oh, man, just, just record it. It's a demo. Nobody's going to hear it. It's just for our reference. So I literally sat down with a guitar in front of a mic and just threw it down in one take. And whatever way the resonance of the head cold was affecting my voice, when we listened back to it, we're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, it's got a kind of cool vibe to it. So when we came to record it for the album, we just couldn't recreate the the vibe of how I was singing or how I was feeling that day. So we ended up just keeping the original guitar track and my original vocal and from the demo. And then obviously we added the strings and, and Pepper came in and added her vocal part on it. My daughter came in and added her vocal part later. But the essence of the song is actually the demo. Oh, man, that's awesome. I understand you. I mean, did you do something similar with Clown of Misery? Exactly, yeah. Again, that was, you know, that was an idea. And like all my ideas, I usually just grab the iPhone and just sing it, sing it into the, the little record thing on that. So I said, don't forget it. And I, I did it with that song and sent it to Keith. Again, and Keith's like, man, he's just really captured something here. He said, uh, you know, it's got a real desperation and, and, and vibe to it that I love. And I think if we try to polish it and recreate it, we're going to lose that. Let's just um, take, take, just lift it from the iPhone. Let's try and make it sound like an old 78 from the 40s, like a Hank Williams or Woody Guthrie, you know, 78 that would have said. And I thought, man, that's a great call. So, yeah, I always joke it's the cheapest song that I'll ever record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it comes out killer, mate. It, it Thank really you. Is. Thank you, bro. 
Yeah, that's awesome, mate. So um, you mentioned that Keith um, Nelson was producing and, and writing with you and, and all that. Could you tell yeah. us a little about the, the writing and recording process that you guys went through? And I understand you yeah. did a lot of it live, so to speak. I mean, it's really chilled. I mean, Keith and I are both cut from the same cloth. You know, we're both working class boys. We're both roughly the same age. You know, we've both been in bands and, you know, successful bands. And, and there's a lot of similarities and there's a great chemistry and, and a great friendship between us. So it's really easy working with Keith um, because he knows me and, and, and I know him. And I think, you know, we're not afraid to sort of tell each other what we think. Um, which is great as well. So when you have, when you're in a situation like that, um, there's no kind of tenseness there. You're not just saying something to appease somebody, or, which is a great way to make a record or, or do anything artistic. There's a lot of honesty, and that's what I love about working with them. And you know, we wrote and demoed everything in 2018 at Keith's studio in LA. I would sort of bring in the ideas, you know, as, as far as I got them, and then I'd sit down with Keith, and we we just finish finish them off together. And then we recorded in April of 2019, again here in L.A., and we put together a band to record, the band with myself and Keith, obviously, and then Robbie Crane from Black Star Riders on bass, and then Xavier Muriel, who was also in Buckcherry, who's been Buckcherry on drums. And that was the hardcore um, band that we sort of got in the studio to get the backing tracks down. And it was done, you know, as a band. It was in a room, all playing together, all looking at each other, you know, um, getting the best take, keeping the drum track, keeping the bass tracks, and then Keith and I going away and, and layering up the guitars and putting the vocals on. Oh, I mean, that must be something special. And, and that sort of, I mean, like you quite often find that that sort of comes through um, for the listener. You can sort of hear that whole, uh, because, I mean, it's quite different when you get people just cutting and pasting and all that. It, it makes everything sound so well, clinical. You know, t- technology has its uses, don't get me wrong. And, and Pro Tools and, and, and all that kind of stuff is great for editing and putting together takes and, and saving time. It really, really is. Don't, and, you know, sending files to somebody, like I just said, that you want to play on a track that count isn't in the same country. It's brilliant for that. Yes. No matter how much technology improves, and it will, and it will keep improving and keep changing, it's never going to replace soul. You can't recreate the soul. And capturing a human emotion or a human vibe, uh, it can't be done. I don't care what you say. You know, and you can't beat that fact of just four four people standing in a room, playing and and vibing off each other. And you know, that's that's the that's the that's the magic stuff right there. And that's to me, that's you know, you, you can't replace that with a machine. Oh, damn straight, and that's right. And it comes through in the music as well. I mean, you can definitely pick it up, and you, and you can feel that soul. I mean, that's why I talked about. That, that song that, uh, that time doesn't seem to matter. I mean, th- th- you can feel it there. It's just yeah. got that. Oh, it's magic. Hey? It was really awesome. Um, Thanks. So, um, what would be the, the favourite song or the, the one you're most proud of off this particular? Oh so man, far? I mean, it's 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 like trying to pick your favourite kid. And the the funny thing about <laughs> it is, is I can, is I can pick my favourite kid because my kid's on it. You know, obviously, working the song about Pepper, um, yes. is, is huge to me because of just what it stands for and having her on it. And capturing her, you know, she's only 11 years old when she sang on that on, on that song, is is something that I'll never ever forget. And um, so I think that that lifts that one up above all the rest for me. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. So, are you guys going to be able to take this out on the road? Uh, I mean, I know over there it's pretty. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, you, you guys have been leading the way. I'm so jealous of uh, of. Uh, of your your great uh, prime minister and, and how how well she's she seems to just be uh, 
she just seems to live in a world of reality, which just seems to sadly be lacking in a lot of other places. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still not great, you know, and I think it'll be the end of this year before maybe concerts start to happen, um, certainly going into next year. Um, and that's if that's what it takes for everybody to be safe and well and be happy to go to go to a show again. That's just the way that it is, you know. So, but I am absolutely planning as soon as it's safe to, to, to hit the road with a vengeance, for sure. Oh mate, that's awesome. Uh, so I've got to briefly touch on Black Star Riders. You guys yeah. released the album two years ago. Um, how are you guys getting on? Are you working on anything new? Or? Yeah, no, we're good, man. You know, obviously last year completely screwed us because we were supposed to be on the road all of last year touring another state of grace and. Obviously, that didn't happen, uh, which was a real shame, but, you know, that's gone now. So we're actually looking to go into the studio in the summer, early summer, to record album number five. We've pretty much got it written. And so we're we're looking, we're just forging ahead with that. And hopefully that'll come out 2022. Oh, very cool. We're looking forward to that one as well. Yeah. Okay, um, we're starting to run out of time, so I've got two last questions for you before sure, we bro. go. Now, third, first off, 30-plus uh, years of... Um, playing rock and roll and playing music and what would be one highlight that you would say has been a special moment for you i mean just that I'm, I'm still doing it i'm still i still feel validated i still feel i'm relevant i still feel i'm making new music i still feel i'm forging ahead um after 30 years and i'm still as excited by it as i ever was i think that's the major thing for me you know um I mean, it's been amazing shows, amazing, you know, you could talk about chart positions or people you've met and played with, all that's all relative and important. But the fact that um, I'm still able to do it, I'm still able to do it at the level of success that I'm at is is, is amazing to me and, and just never taken for granted, you know. Oh, mate, that's absolutely epic. Okay, one last question for you before we let you go, and that is words of advice for young musicians. Um, You know, work hard. Treat it like a job because it is a job. And you should give it the respect that it deserves. And, um, you know, put the hours in, put the effort in, um, you know, and, and, and be be true to yourself and, and work on your songs and work on your craft and work on your social skills. And, and you know, all that's all, all part of it, you know, and it's all about endeavor and hard work and not giving up and, uh, and believing in yourself. Oh, mate, that's awesome. Yourself. My 
bless with common sense. My fact.